I really believe a lot of it's just so much overthinking and thinking that belief of you have to work hard for money. That's a hard one to get rid of for a lot of people. But once they do, it's a huge shift in your business. Welcome to the Business of Doing Business. I'm your host, Dwayne Carey. With 35 years in business and close to 30 ventures across 12 industries, I've seen a lot. Amid the celebrity allure of entrepreneurship, many exceptional entrepreneurs remain shadowed. Here, I team up with these hidden talents to unveil their challenges and successes. Dive in with me to unearth entrepreneurial gems, learn from our experiences, and get educated. Jenny Hot, I'm so excited for you to be here. I, I just, I can't even express how grateful I am to have you on the show. Or I guess maybe I should call you Brilliant Jenny. <laughs> yeah, that was my blogging name. It was actually a college nickname, but yeah, Brilliant Jenny. Well, that, that was your blogging name. It was. That's oh, all I, I was know. known as. Yeah, because back then nobody used their full name. You had a blogging name. Okay. So just to give the audience some perspective here, you were the first female blogger to reach a seven-figure-plus income, and you're like a serial internet entrepreneur. I've known you for, I think it's coming up 14 years or maybe coming up 15 years. I mean, I see you as like this I mean, incredible woman who's got tremendous vision and this crazy compassion for others. But I, I remember we were traveling uh, with Tony Robbins and you, know, you would move from city to city to city, and at every single city that you would move to, you would buy new clothes, and then when you left, <laughs> you would give them away to the less fortunate, and then again, every city. But I, I think that was part of your blog, right? Because you were a travel blogger, which we'll get into. But I also remember like distinctly, like it was yesterday, and, and I, I mean, I have this vision consistently over years of us having dinner, uh, I don't even know what country or what city it was in, but we were having dinner outside and you were trying to explain to me what you did at the time. <laughs> and I mean, this goes back to like, I think it was what, 09. And I just didn't understand, like I, you know, I'm an operator. I operate businesses. I'm not a social media guy. This was a huge stretch to do this podcast. And, and, you know, I didn't have any social media before we did the podcast. So it gives you some perspective of my level of intelligence about some of the things that we're going to talk about here today, but you were trying to explain to me how you were making money and I just couldn't be, I, just, I, I couldn't grasp it, but you have and are an, a legend in, I refer to it as social media, but really the blogging, when I first got to know you, I mean, you really set the standard. I just want to give that perspective to the audience. I want to thank you. I'm so grateful that you're here because this is not an area of like my center of influence. So I'm actually interested in picking your brain, but I know that you go so far beyond blogging and internet serial entrepreneur. And so I just, uh, I can't wait to get caught up and hear about everything that's going on. And so I'm curious what's happening in your life and how are things going? I can't believe you remember all that. I was like so many people, I forget that I would live like that, donate, you know, clothes. And I wonder where that was that we were having dinner for the first time. That's a question I'd have to ask my wife because I don't have a very good memory, but, and, <laughs> and I don't often remember things, but you're one of those people that, you know, at the time it was so unique what you were doing. You're listening to this podcast about, oh, she was a blogger. It's like, you know, in 2023, that's like, oh, okay, whatever. But 
in 2008, 2009, that was not what people were doing. Yeah, especially somebody that could travel and, and do that. It was a very different, very different era, right? Back when blogging meant making a dollar a day and <laughs> I was making seven figures. I didn't appreciate it either. I didn't realize what a huge thing that was until Google told me, until Google came knocking and said, hey, we've never seen numbers like this with our ads and we're going to give you your own team, your own deal. And that's one of those moments that it hit me where I was like, wow, this is not typical. Sorry, can you go back and kind of like reframe from the beginning so that A, there's some of this stuff I don't know and I'm really, I'm interested to hear it, but I'm sure the audience is kind of interested in hearing you know, how you've frontiered this whole industry. You want to hear the story? <laughs> you know, you, you don't have to give me the whole, uh, I think in the US, you guys use Cliff Notes. We use Coles Notes uh, in Canada, but you give me the Cliff's Notes version of it. So I started out, believe it or not, a Tony event shifted my life here thinking that you grow up thinking you've got to follow that one path, right? The go to college and you know, get a career and start at the ground level and keep going up. And something just kind of always felt off. And it wasn't until I went to a Tony event and I'd always been struggling with that, but I went to a Tony event. And when I came out of there, I realized, you know what, maybe I'm right and they're wrong. I know it seems like way back then, but that kind of has shifted. And it's been kind of a, a principle that's ruled everything as I've gone. And it's what ended up triggering that path is when, you know, I ended up moving to Puerto Varada for a while and I was doing freelance. And that full first year, I made $1,300. And I don't mean $1,300 a month. I mean, $1,300 for the year. I was chasing down paychecks to get paid from these little shops. It was, it was horrible. <laughs> and I'd left corporate to do this and thinking that that would, get that, that would get that freedom for me. And it ended up being such a struggle that I ended up having this really amazing moment. I actually had this client that was, whew, we'll call her challenging. And I was leaving her shop one day. I was heading back to my place. I was in this old street, on this old street called Olas Altas Street in Puerto Vallarta. And it's this old cobblestone street. It's very famous. I'm walking across the street and there's cars going by and everything, but I just stopped in the street. It was not even to the other side. I stopped. And I still remember like looking down at my sandals on those cobblestones and just saying like, this is crazy. This is, something's not right here. And this woman had just gone off screaming at a customer in front of me. And I, I just, I was just, still didn't get paid. And I just felt like something shifted in that moment. And I had this, this moment where I thought, you know, this isn't why I moved here. This isn't why I made that decision. And when I realized, okay, these are all the things I don't want, right? I don't want to work for somebody else like this. I don't want to have to chase down my paychecks. I don't want to have to, you know, wonder if I'm going to get paid or do something for somebody else or be up at her, you know, on her schedule. And when I realized that, I thought, okay, that's great. I know exactly what I don't want, but what is it that I do want? And let me tell you, it was like this just incredible, incredible, pivotal moment where a floodgate opened and all of a sudden I knew everything that I wanted. Okay, I want to be able to work for myself. I want to be able to sleep till noon if I want to. I want to be able to travel the world. I want to be able to make endless amounts of money. I want to be able to pay off my mom's mortgage if I want to. And this just huge list, I'm standing in the street just thinking of all these things that I really wanted and emotions that were tied to it were so intense. I didn't notice that there were still cars going by and people honking at me and, you know, just people staring. <laughs> I'm in the street blocking the street and I just was like, oh my God, it was just incredible. 
finally come around to and I realize, okay, I'm standing in the street and blocking people. So I shift on and I get go home. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I go home and I'm thinking like, okay, am I losing my mind? No, I don't think so. I'm I'm gonna figure something out. There's something just happened. And I was in this like glowing moment and I thought, okay, what can I do that will give me all of these things that I want? I thought, you know what? It's going to be something on the internet because that would let me do this, 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 and this. And I started doing the checklist of all the things I wanted. And I basically, what I know now, this is what I teach, right? I teach lifestyle entrepreneurship. But what I was doing was designing my life and then choosing the business to go with that, to work to work with what I wanted rather than the other way around, which is what most people do, right? I thought, okay, it's going to be on the internet because that will let me travel. That will let me make endless amounts of money if I choose to. I don't, I'm not limited by somebody else's amount to pay me or their schedule or anything like that. So I started looking on the internet and seeing how other people were making money. And I came across somebody who actually was how I ended up getting to know Tony was because it was one of his speakers later, <laughs> but Joel Com, and he was making $50 a day. And I thought, you know what, if he can make $50 a day, I can make $50 a day. And I still didn't know how I was going to do it. But I started looking and there was this new thing that somebody was just talking about in an article. And they're talking about this new thing called blogging. Now, mind you, this is back in like 2005. So you don't really know what blogging is. It didn't really, it's not what it is today for sure, right? There's nobody to learn from. There's no real explanation of blogging. WordPress was so primitive. It, I don't even know if it actually existed then. I think it did, but I think it was so primitive it wasn't used yet. I started exploring that and I thought, well, this will just let me have a platform where I can start trying something. I think it was like free blog that I started the first time. And I had done some things with the internet in the past just to pay for school. I thought it was going to be what I did to pay through med school. So when I thought back about what I'd done. I had done these communities and I thought about people and thought about what I want, like what they wanted. But now I understand it's the same principles that I've used to this day, but I started thinking about what they wanted and I started tying that in with these blog posts, right? Little by little, I started creating these information sites and I started putting ads on them and I would just make a couple dollars a day. I set my first goal to make $33 a day because then I knew, and to this day, it's my lucky number. You'll see it on my website. You'll see it. Like I mentioned it. <laughs> It's all over the place, but $33 a day was what I needed to be financially comfortable living in Puerto Vallarta at the time. My rent was covered. My food was covered. I was comfortable. I was okay. I wasn't scared, right? So my first goal is to make $33 a day. It took me a few months to get there. The next month I said, okay, I'm going to make $66 a day. Got there in another month. The next day it was $99 a day and I just kept going, but I was working 18 to 24 hours a day. I would stop to take a shower. I might sleep a little bit. If somebody didn't put food in front of me, which back then I had an amazing boyfriend who would put food in front of me, otherwise I was not eating. And he would, you know, let's go for a walk. Let's go do dinner. I'm, no, I would not leave my computer. I said, I'm going to figure this out. And then, and then we'll go, we'll talk about eating. <laughs> so it took me about six months to where I was making a couple thousand dollars. I'm working those hours steadily. By the time that six months came around, I was doing great. And I could see that I could make, you know, as much as I wanted if I just continued doing this. But what happened was <laughs> I lost the use of my hands. And I don't mean like my hands started hurting or I'm getting a little bit of tarpal tunnel. I mean, I, I physically couldn't move them. I was wrapping them in ace bandages. They're bruised, black, blue, purple from this point down. I still get it. You can actually see because I've been working. But it bruised all the way down here. And I couldn't. From being on the keyboard for so long? Yeah. Oh, wow. For working those 18 to 24 hours a day, pushing myself. And just, I had a big, one of those big containers of Advil on the side of my desk, one of my computer. 
And I was living on those and just wrapping them in ace bandages and just kept going. But by that end of that six months, I could no longer open my laptop. I couldn't, my my hands physically wouldn't move. I would try to move it and it just would stay. (laughs) So that's when I kind of did a redesign where I was like, okay, this isn't exactly what I wanted. You know, I said I wanted all these things. I'm going to achieve that. But do I really, you know, is this sustainable? And even now, like I need time to let my hands heal. So what am I going to do? Well, I didn't realize at the time, but I had created an ongoing issue that I still struggle with today. And that's um, osteoarthritis and tendinopathy. And you think about it, like at 30, you know, I'm in my early 30s and, and struggling with that. I didn't realize at the time that it was going to be something ongoing, but I realized, okay, I need some time here to let my hands heal. And um, I made a decision. I, I told myself, okay, from now on, I'm not going to work myself like this anymore. And so then I asked a better question, right? I asked myself, okay, how often do I want to work? And that's something I teach my students now is you really can ask yourself that and then you can make it work for any, any amount of time, even if you don't want to work at all, it's fine. But I asked myself that and I thought, okay, how often do I want to work? And I thought, you know what, I'm probably going to need about three months for my hands to heal. And I would like to go on a trip and I want to be there for like three months. So I told myself, okay, from now on, I won't implement any marketing strategy, anything that makes me have to work more than once every three months. To this day, I still keep those principles. Meaning like a day every three months or two hours or a week or what was the definition on that? All I knew was that I wanted to take three months off and then I would come back and say, okay, what, are the, what, do, I, what do I need to accomplish in this period? And I would Got set it. a time for that. And that's what I do today is I'll say, okay, I'm going to take the next month off or the next three months off. And then I'll have it in my mind what needs to be accomplished in that time. And I'll say, okay, I can do that in about a week. And so usually it's a week or two that I'll work and then I'll take off again. But at that time, like I said, I didn't really realize that I was going to need to do that consistently. But it was nice that that, that lesson, right, was not to push myself that hard and to really start thinking about what it is that I want in more detail. And what happened, the blessing that came with that was that I did figure out a way to make it work so that I only had to work once every three months, that I could take off the next three months and let my hands heal. I figured out ways to, to make it, to keep, to keep it automated. And then I told myself, once I hit six figures, I want to take off and travel the world for a year. So I needed to figure out ways to make it automated so that I could work, so I wouldn't have to touch anything for another year. And I figured that out as well. When I was traveling, when we met, that's what I was doing was I had figured out ways to automate to a few months. So if you noticed at the time, like I would travel with everybody and have a blast. And then I would lock myself in a hotel room for two weeks, tell everybody, hey, I'll see you in two weeks. We'll be in Egypt or whatever. But for that two weeks, I would lock myself in a Weston and I would just work out my plan um, and have a system for doing it. But it became very efficient. And I realized that's not sustainable, but it was what works for me. Rather than getting the burnout and doing the longer term things, it also works for me for the concentration factors where I can really drill down and be focused and not have those on those onsetting distractions. But it became my life where, okay, you know, this year has been amazing. I don't think I want to stop. And so that one year that I told myself I was going to travel for that year, that turned into almost five years. So it was five years. Yeah. <laughs> five years of... <laughs> I, I, I'm going to hit the pause button for a second and we'll just pause before this five years because <laughs> I'm curious, just a couple of questions through through some of what we just talked about, which was the first question that popped in my head was, you went to Puerto Vallarta. Were you running from a corporate job and then just kind of so tired of that that you're going to go to Puerto Vallarta or was it personal reason? Like, I, I'm just curious if viewers, 
Like what was the push to go do the freelancing and make 1300 bucks a year? You know, it was honestly, so I'm working at this uh, huge conglomerate in Princeton, uh, New Jersey, and I was taking breaks and working. I started working in the city in New York and doing the commute thing and working at law firms there. I had a boyfriend who wasn't very nice and I went to a Tony event. I remember actually, oh my goodness. I remember one day getting into my car and as I was putting the key in, because back then we had keys, I was putting the key in <laughs> and I, we're so, we're so and I old. right. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I'm too young to remember that, but anyway, so I'm putting the key in and I thought, Oh my God, like, I just, I hate my life. I remember having those words. Like I hate my life. It's just, I was so miserable. I was incredibly unhealthy. I was in a horrible relationship with just a, not a nice guy. And my work was just overwhelmingly unsatisfying, right? It was just not, I was just not, I was probably not happy with anything. So I remember that day I got this letter from my dad, a handwritten letter, and it was apologizing to me for some things that had happened when I was a kid. He's just a disciplinarian. It wasn't anything horrid like, but <laughs> for my dad to do that, this once a Marine, always a Marine, he sent me this letter and in it was a ticket to Tony Robbins, to UPW. Oh, cool. And I remember having that thought of, oh my God, I hate my life. And then I thought, well, my dad just sent me this. Maybe that'll help. When I went to that event, it was like the second day that I realized like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not crazy and this isn't what I have to do. I've always felt like something wasn't right. You know, this, this isn't my path. And within, <laughs> within two weeks, I decided, okay, I'm, I'm done. I quit my job in that two weeks. I, all of them. I quit my boyfriend. I actually donated almost everything that I owned, gave things to my friends, gave things to charity, just got rid of everything. And I moved to Puerto Vallarta because it was the last place I'd gone on vacation with my grandmother. And I thought I was really happy there. And that was the last place I'd been happy. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go, go there for a while and see what happens and see, you know, what comes about my life. So I moved to Puerto Vallarta. It was like two weeks and I shifted everything, dropped everything and moved. That's when I had that experience was like, you know, within that year. Right. And so congratulations for making that jump. That couldn't have been easy. But interesting though, you said like, I went to Puerto Vallarta because it was the last place I was happy. And then you got there and then you weren't happy. I know. <laughs> and it's a good lesson for everybody. It's like, well, we often try to chase happiness. Yeah. You know, there's obviously a message in there uh, in itself. But so, you, and then you get you know, and have this epiphany on the street of Puerto Vallarta, you reverse engineered basically what you wanted to do. It's like, what do I want out of my life? And then what do I do? Which you wouldn't hear that from 1% of the population, really. Like that's not allowed, not a, right? It's not, it's not allowed. a common strategy and not a common tactic. It's not how we're raised, you know, get a job, pay your mortgage, buy a house, have some kids, whatever, da, da, da. Knowing like, and I'm kind of looking at like what you do now with, laptop lifestyle, which we'll get into later, but I'm sure, but you know, that sounds like that's kind of was the epiphany of that took you on the next journey of your life that where did that thought come from? I think I had kind of always grown up with that. My family is, uh, well, they're all entrepreneurs. I never thought of it as a strange thing, but we had an aunt Mary into the family and she had a traditional job, a career. And I remember her asking me when I was like 20, she said, don't you think it's odd that all of you work for yourselves? At the fact that that's when I was in college, you know, I was doing my little side hustle for on the internet. I think that's it. I think that I had family members, especially one uncle that was extremely successful and he'd always work for himself. 
And he did that. So I think he was a good role model. So it kind of tied in with what I figured out on my own and with uh, going to the, the Tony event. But I would see him travel and take off for months. I would see him, you know, he collected antique fire trucks and had helicopters and llamas roaming around his pool. And he didn't work all the time. And I think that was such an inspiration for me. Oh, now that I think of it too, it's my, my great grandmother had a saying that's now become my, my tagline for my business, a variation of it. But she used to say, if work cuts into play, it's time to cut out on work. And my uncle, I remember him saying that to me and he was a very just stoic, you know, not a, he didn't really joke a lot. He was very serious all the time. But if he spoke, you know, everybody listened because he had something to say. But for him to say it too, I think it just kind of resonated with me from a very young age. And it's something that I kind of adapted to. And it's just become my motto (laughs) over time. Like, I don't believe in working hard or skipping things in your life for work, for doing things that you're obligated to do, or even creating obligations. But that's why, you know, now my my tagline is uh, uh, work less, live more, make a difference. And that was that came from that that saying. It's just kind of evolved into what my decisions are. It's my instincts, but you know, drilled down into that. Do you think that some of you know the distinctions that you had there, leading into this three month off, you know, because of the hands like so you you know, there's times where just hearing you, it's like you know, this is what I believe, and this is what I get stuck into doing, which you know, the working for the six months straight, I've never heard anybody who is. I mean, I have I've had I did have one friend who. In the restaurant business, uh, he he was on his feet so much. He worked so hard at the very beginning of opening his restaurants. He started bleeding through the end of his toes. Um, and so, you know, so I, I mean, there's, but I, I've never met anybody who's sitting there, you know, on a computer and they have no use of their hands, you know, for a three month period. That's, I mean, you were, you were working hard. I was determined. What was the determination to make money or was it to find a solution? Because I mean, like, I just, I think of what my perception was when we met, which was four or five years after this. I think you said this was 2005. There's not a lot of people doing this. I mean, you were literally a pioneer in the internet space at this time in your life. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there was nobody to learn from back then. So it was all trial and error. There was not, there were not that many people that making money. There certainly were no, there was nobody making money blogging. And within a few years, there were some making some money. By 2008, I, I had um, hit seven figures. By, it took me two years to hit six figures. And it was a little over another year when I hit seven figures. But like I said, there was nobody to really learn from back then. Uh, so I just kind of went with my instincts on what people wanted. And I really didn't know people. I've always been a huge social butterfly. My instincts were never about money, not ever. My instincts were about finding security, what I thought was security back then, but also freedom. I wanted the freedom. You know, when I break it down and you, you think about that list that I had, you know, standing on the cobblestones, everything was about freedom. It wasn't about money. I always joke that I, I always say I'm, I'm not a money-driven person, but thankfully that makes me a lot of money. But <laughs> 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 I think I just knew from then too, I, I was always that wild spirit. I just wanted to have that freedom to do whatever I wanted. And that, you know, requires money. It does. Do you have a definition? Like, did you at the time have a definition of what freedom was to you? 
it was that list that I said, I wanted to be able to travel. I wanted to be able to be secure. I wanted all my bills. I wanted to not ever worry about anything. I wanted to be able to pay off my mom's mortgage if I wanted to. I wanted the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do, wherever I wanted to do, whenever I wanted to do it, with whoever I wanted to. I wanted that freedom. You certainly got that. I did. And then the five years. So you go, you go away for three months. You start to figure out these systems. And were these systems, was this a something that was just... An, an advancement in technology or did you see a disruption somewhere? What was the process that allowed you to automate and nobody else was automating at the time? I, I'm assuming, maybe I'm wrong. If you want to correct me, if please. No, there was nobody doing anything like this. So what I needed, what I realized I needed was content, but I was not able to come up with that content. And back then there was no Twitter yet. There was no social media. I had forums. Remember I, I was big on communities. And I realized that forums are content with pe- people making it for you. So I started focusing on everything I do is, you know, it's capture, engage, convert. So I would capture them. I wouldn't advertise products or put affiliate links all over my site or, you know, what I would do was capture them. I would promote my forums like crazy, free coaching in here, free support, get the network, the, the, the support you need. Everything was about grabbing them into my forums, getting them hooked on, once they're in there, getting them hooked on the engagement, getting them hooked on having their their six human needs, right? Getting their needs met when they're in there. Everything that I looked at was how can I meet their needs and how can I capture them so that I have years to, to sell to them, right? To market to them. What I also figured out was since I needed the content on my blog, the forums were doing great. And by the way, this is not something I recommend these days. The time shifts and audiences are different and niches are different. So forums are a lot of work. There's smarter ways to do it now. There's smarter technology, smarter opportunities. But at the time, what I figured out was that I could create a feed from those forums with the content that they were writing and then feed that into my blogs so that it would create a post every time they would have a thread started. And then I would post questions or actually what I did was post like an ad that had a question prompting them to talk about a specific topic. It was what I needed for my blog. So if I knew that people were searching for XYZ, I would say, okay, this is the one I know that that I need a, a post on. I can't type it, right? So I would prompt them to have a discussion on it. I would pull that discussion and put it into a blog post. And then ta-da, Google would love it and it would send me more people. Then I would capture more people, put them back into the forums and just rinse and repeat. And then in the forums, I had my ads and some product links and things like that. Were you on Google then trying to, you were finding out what people were looking for based on most searched words or I'm I'm, I'm an idiot on this stuff. So you got (laughs) to... You're new to this stuff? <laughs> well, okay. I, I prefer the word idiot. It's really the truth. <laughs> well, I went by the ads, right? I was making most of my money from AdSense, from Google AdSense. And so I used their keyword system. And then as you know, more advanced um, tools came available, I would use that. But yeah, I watched what, what they were searching for. Not only that, but I would pay more attention to what my people were asking for. Because I knew that they, whatever they were asking for repeatedly was going to be coming up in the keywords soon enough, right? So I'd watch for those trends. Meaning the people that were on your blog, that were coming to visit your blog? That were in the forums, yeah. Oh, that were in the forums, okay. I knew I could identify trends. I, I very quickly realized I can get ahead of a trend if I watch what they're talking about in my forums, right? I have samples there of people, of communities in this topic. If they're talking about XYZ, 
you know, and it's come up in like three posts, you know what, this is probably going to start climbing in the search engine rankings. So I need to have something on that. So I would prompt them on a question for it, start a discussion and then have that fed automatically into my blog with the feed. And then sure as heck, that would start getting more searches and Google would start ranking me for number one for that. So since I was the first one talking about it, there was no, you know, there was no articles on it with the, with the news or anything like that yet. So I just realized the reason why at the very beginning of the podcast, I said, like, I have this vivid, vivid memory of you and I sitting down having dinner and you explaining what you do. It's actually not a memory. I just realized it's been a nightmare because I didn't understand it then. And I don't understand it now. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I mean, it's so smart. Like it really is. And I'm not surprised by that because you're brilliant. Like, where did this all come from? Was there other areas that you had seen this work in other industries or were you just, just, you just kind of picked it up and cause if nobody was doing it. No, it was all just trial and error. It was an opportunity and just following threads. If I saw something that would work or if I had an idea on something that would work, I would test it, make sure it was going to work before I threw everything at it and just go for it. And at this stage, like how big, how much, what are you earning? I guess this is Google. Google is paying you, is it? Or is the blogs or like, how, how are you getting paid? And then at what level were you, what year was this roughly that you were kind of perfecting this? You know, it's all such a blur now. I believe it was 2008 when I became the first seven figure blogger. And I, like I said, I didn't really realize the impact on that until I had Google. You know, they were saying like, we've never seen anyone making this much money. We're going to, you know, give you your own team, give your own deal. You have no rules when it comes to the ads. And they, they had to explain to me even how it worked. They invited me to Google in uh, San Diego, to their headquarters in San Diego, or to that, that location there. It was very, it was very eye-opening even for me to realize I had, had achieved that level. I mean, it's interesting because you're like, they brought you to Google to explain to them what you were doing. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like you walked in the office and Sergey's sitting there and you're like, hey, man, but, but for, to be brought in there for them to pick your brain, at some point you must have been like, man, I'm on something here. Like, well, you obviously knew you were on something before that, but. I didn't realize that. Well, so what they said was that I had shifted the blogosphere, like I shifted the internet. Now it was possible to make real money with blogging, that they were going to see this flood and they started to see this flood on blogging. So they said I shifted the landscape of the blogosphere. And I didn't, I, it's funny because I just never saw myself like that. It's just like the first time I ever saw myself as a, as a leader is when Tony called me that on stage. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I guess I am. And by then I'm getting millions of hits a month and still hadn't seen myself in that light. Right. But for me to actually have Tony say that about me on stage, and I went, ooh. And then I, I remember having this thought right after that I thought, it's a good thing I'm a really good person. I have a really big heart because all of my intentions have been good. My ethics have been good because I could have done some damage. Like I really, my purpose was to help people. And thank, thankfully, before I realized, you know, and now I, with my students, I teach them from the minute you hit that publish button, you're a leader. You are putting information out there that's going to influence, right? So it's a responsibility. It is. You realize if you come in, if, if I can introduce them to that idea early on, I can make sure that they're on the right path for, for the big, for the big picture. I mean, you make a really good point because there are people out there now that are not playing with the best intentions for others, you know, are looking to influence their own agenda or um, someone else's agenda. 
how has the industry changed from Tony pulls you up on stage? I think my memory serves me correct. That's like 09, 2010, somewhere in there. Oh, how has it changed? Yeah. Like how's the industry changed and, you know, going from blogging and then obviously, you know, YouTube and, you know, where have you seen the transition in the industry? And then to now we have, you know, all these social media influencers, which really is an advent or I'm assuming is an advent of what you and maybe a few other people started in the blogging world. It's interesting is I see this just as another leg, right? We had the internet come up, then we had um, more like communities and socialization there. We had information just overload, right? And then we had the social media explosion. And then now we've got AI. I watched the evolution of it. And now I see like when the blogosphere took off, that was, that's the first time in history when every person on that has the internet had the opportunity to have a voice, right? Think about that. At no time in history has anybody ever had that. Like it's just so, so easy right at their fingertips. You think we've had those, you know, early publishers, like you think of early publications and using the, the, the invention of the printing press and Yeah. So I feel like when I'm watching it now and having started as early as I did, my first internet business was 1998. When I look back at it and I see this, the whole shift of everything, I see it as, it's it's interesting. I I see it as one thing, it's technology just never stops, right? It's the one thing you can count on constantly pushing forward. Technology can't be stopped. I see it as more an intertwining of, of, humans and AI. I think that's where, as I hate to go down that rabbit hole, but that's where I see the the evolution of it now is it's already happened, right? We're already becoming this tied unit with technology. That happened even with with um, social media. And people, I know there's a lot of people that are so worried about AI now. And I think if they'll, it's no different than getting scared of, you know, something new being invented a hundred, you know, a couple hundred years ago, thousands of years ago. But the sooner we can embrace it, the sooner we can move forward and take advantage of it. But I see it as that's already happened. It's already started to happen. We're already, com- you know, combining everything, our pop culture, our, in our, the way we think, everything is tied in with social media, with the information you find on the internet, everything is tied together. So this is just another leg of that happening. But I, and I, I realize now like AI has been around for a long time. People don't realize that it's been here. I was starting to take advantage of article spinning things so that I could refresh my own content on my blogs. That stuff has already been around, and this is just another leg of it. It's just another expansion of it. How long have you been using AI for? That was quite a while ago. I want to say that was almost 10 years ago. 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah. When it was already being, and I, I, I've kept an eye on it because for me, being obsessed with automation, I've kept an eye on it. And I go, oh, okay, well, I wonder what this is going to become. And so I remember hearing about the chat GPT stuff coming up total technique myself. But I remember hearing about it and going like, oh my gosh, cannot happen soon enough, especially for my hands, right? <laughs> I am all about like, let's do this faster. And I finally, I'm like, yeah, I have something to keep up with my mad scientist brain. So <laughs> I'm in heaven. While we're on the topic of AI, but do you have any concerns about AI, especially being a mom? Your son is? He is about to turn nine. Okay. I was going to say 10, but okay. Yeah. Do you have concerns about AI, social media, how it influences kids, where this has gone, where it might go? You know, I get asked about this a lot. And my thing is, like I said, you can't stop technology. I just had this conversation. Ah, Justin Mendenhall is visiting me right now. We were just having this talk this morning. He was asking me, London was listening to a song that was um, had some swear words in it. 
And I said, it's okay. Because I said, I can't stop him from hearing this. He's got access to AI. He's got ChatGPT in his room. He's got an Alexa in his room. We've got, you know, and we've got a toaster that's a techie digital screen. Like you can't keep him from that. So I have to teach him to embrace it, to understand it and to respect it and to make smart decisions with it. Right. So same thing with the school. They, they sent out a survey and started talking to all the parents, you know, do we keep technology out of the school or do we not? And I'm, I'm like, if you keep it from them, they're going to be behind. So the faster that we can teach them to embrace it and to use it responsibly and ethically, the better. So that's my, that's my take on it personally. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I mean, I still drive a 69 Ford Bronco, so I shouldn't, no, I'm kidding. But but, (laughs) you can't keep it out of the school. That's, I mean, I totally agree with that. I do get concerned with things like falsifying identities, whether it's through the phone or on um, uh, video calls and distress calls to parents, send me money, leaving a message on the phone, whatever. When I look at AI and I get it. We have to go forward. It's not going away. And I don't want it to go away. I'm, I'm, in, like, I'm in the camp of 80% of me is excited about what it's going to bring. I think it's going to be, it's going to democratize a lot of things for people. It's going to demonetize and give more access for healthcare. And I mean, it, it can only be better for the world and for the people who need it most. I just think that, you know, the bad faith actors, it gives them more access to do worse and more bad faith things. I, I 100% agree with you. And that's why I say like, I, I hope that parents will start teaching them to use it responsibly and ethically, because if we start with that now, instead of trying to keep them from it, then you're teaching them to use it for good. Right. And then you have the opportunity for them to grow up and not the opportunity, but the consequences if they grow up and they don't know to use it responsibly and ethically. So that's my, with my son, especially, I just, I want him to make good decisions. I tell him all the time, make good decisions, make good decisions. If we're teaching that from a young age, there's going to be a lot less of the the negative in the future, right? Because they've all been grown, they've all been raised to think that way, to think that this is, you know, you've got to use it for good. If we leave it to themselves and we try to block them from it, we try to keep it from them or censor it, then it's up to their own, you know, take on it and they might not make the right decisions later. Yeah, I'm all about teaching them to use it in a really positive and almost a philanthropic approach, you know. And are you an advocate for regulation on AI and some technologies? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm still coming up with my own opinions on that based on what I'm seeing. But the thing is, it's already censored. There's nothing you can do because it's, it's invented by people, right? we all have our filters. So we're censoring certain things nonstop without being a neuroscience geek. We, we censor things constantly. It's in our nature. So even with it being created, it's already having those unconscious biases are put into the AI itself. And it, it will evolve in its own self, just like we do as humans, but it will start to evolve on its own. I don't know that we will be able to censor it in the long run. That's a very realistic theory. It's not going to be within our control forever, to be honest. It's just true. It'll start to become its own uh, entity. You know, on one of my other podcasts, we talked about a little bit about technology and, you know, say, for example, in China, children see on TikTok and what's available to them. Obviously, it's a communist country and they have the ability to censor some of that stuff. But what someone in North America might see uh, on TikTok is, you know, one could argue that, you know, what they see in China is you know, healthy and it's about science, it's about learning, it's about education. And here it's 
the who can shake their butt the best. And, and I don't know how we overcome some of these things, time on technology. And it's a lot of value to being outdoors and experiencing nature. And it's probably not a question. It's just, uh, that's where I kind of, that's where the 15 or 20% of me kind of gets nervous with kids and, and schools and education. And all this is a, for relying on our, on our educators to do the right things. Sometimes that doesn't always happen either. Not that I'm negative on teachers and education, but, but they're people and, and they have their own, like you said, they have their own biases as well. So as we're programming AI with our biases, we're also programming our children. So I might've just answered my own question. I don't know. I completely agree with you. I don't think I would say anything different. I'm so big on teaching my son that too. Like I tell him, you need to be outside every day. You need to be in nature. We need that. And again, neuroscience geek, right? It's actually part of us, not just being healthy, but thriving. We actually need to be in nature at least one hour a day. Is that what you try to do? I do. And, I, and my son does the same. We always make time to go outside and be in nature. Well, you live in California, so it's not hard. Pretty good place That's to right. be in nature. I know. We're missing out on your snow. I'm curious, like before we got into the AI conversation, I, I didn't want to get off it because I just, I, I wanted to get a couple of your thoughts in AI, but just to backtrack a little bit, you evolved, what'd you call it? The blogosphere or the... The blogosphere? Never heard that term. The blogosphere and, and that evolves. And now all of a sudden, you know, you, you had mentioned like the evolution of social media. And one of the, my things that I'm curious about is the monetization process of, and specifically around people being able to make their dreams come true, like you did. I think that is one of the things that is unbelievable, has always blown me away about you. It's, I've always walked away. Like I remember the first time <laughs> when we first met you and my wife is a massive Jenny fan. Like she just, <laughs> she loves you. And I remember her talking, you know, at one of the events and you know, you meet people and, and I said to him, like, what's Jenny do? Like, and she's like, well, she, she tried to explain it to me too. And, <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, she's making seven figures traveling around the world. <laughs> and I'm busting my ass running two companies to, you know, to make that kind of money. Like, this is unbelievable. I've always seen you as like a dream maker and not to over-exaggerate that. And I don't want to be over-complimentary, but I certainly would not be doing you justice to really phrase it in any other way, because it was like, I was blown away when we first met and, and just going like, she is literally traveling the world, kind of working two weeks out of every couple of months or whatever it was with complete freedom, which I loved your word there. I don't know if I had that word back then, but you, you know, I'll use it now with complete freedom. And now like, how do people look at their current situation and then say, Hey, how can I use whether it's social media, YouTube or whatever, whatever vehicle it is. And I'll let you describe those vehicles, but how do they do that to make their dreams come through, to grow their business, to reach out to the target customer, to build the dreams that they want, the life that they want. With the internet, there's so many opportunities. And forgive me, hopefully, hopefully I, have, I understand what your question is here, but there's so much opportunities. I honestly tell people they should choose what makes them happy, right? I talk about your happy place all the time. Just to break it down, there's four models for online business. There's the e-commerce model and the agency model, which is like doing, you know, selling things and then doing one-on-one uh, -on -one, like coaching or graphic design, something that's service-based. Those two, for me, I tell everybody, please stay away from them. Like if, if, you, if you don't want to work and if you want freedom, those two, 
unless it's a passion project, unless it's something you really enjoy and you want to do, you know, that kind of work, that's fine. But you cannot fully automate those in any way because you'll always have quality control and customer service. Even if you have other people managing those things, you still have to manage them and manage how they're managing it. So it's just never two things that you can fully let go of, right? So are you referring to like Amazon as e-commerce, let's say, being yeah. an Amazon reseller and then and then the other Fiverr or Fiverr or whatever, however they pronounce that? Yes, um, or as, a life as, coach or, yeah, like those two models. They're not for me. It, like I said, I, for some people, they love it. They really love it. And that's great. Especially like they want their own product. That's amazing. I've done all of these, by the way. Like when I, anytime I get bored, I'd start a new business and, and just play with it and see, you know, it's great, build it up and then sell it. So I've done all of them. And I'll tell you, like when it comes to freedom, I don't care. Oh, some of my peers are going to not be happy right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but I don't care if like you hear like the, you know, you can drop ship and let, you know, hands off. You're not going to be hands off. You still have to do quality control. Like that's, an, it, it, it's still an operating business. You're going to be tied to it. You're going to have employees. You're going to have payroll. There's a lot of administration. A lot of customer care. A lot of customer care. So I think to your point right there, though, is what you did say to qualify so that nobody gets mad at you is if you want to have freedom, you're going to have challenges in these areas. Right, right. And then there's also the the side with the the agency model where you, that one, you're so limited financially because you can only take on so many clients. Even if you hire other people to take on cases or, you know, clients with you, you're still managing them as well, right? We'll get into that later, but, or if we do, but even taking on a partner or other, every time you hire somebody that you're actually adding to your plate, you're not taking away from it. That's how I view most of the time. Any of those two, I just, I just for personally, if you want complete freedom in a business like those two, I avoid. The next two though, one is the influencer model and then there's the information model, right? Influencer model, that's a, a YouTuber, a podcaster, you're an influencer. You're doing the influencer model. Sorry, but it's true. <laughs> you make the cringe face. <laughs> I did. I did. I it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. I love it. And so that one's fantastic. The thing with that one, for most people, it takes a long time to build up, right? It takes a while to build up the the following. And, so, and some people like this one, you know, it's going to be amazing very quickly. But for some people, that could take years. And so it's a great model. It's one for freedom. It's awesome, especially if you really enjoy being on camera, you really enjoy writing you know, blog posts. That's great. The last one, though, the information, which is mostly online education, right? That model is my preference the, right now, right now. In this time, especially since COVID, everybody's turning to the internet for learning. And you've got these major institutions like Harvard putting their courses online, their degrees. You can get a Harvard degree now online. That's just crazy to me it's become an acceptable thing where you can go online and learn these things. So people are actually actively looking to the internet to learn. So creating an information product, an online course, an, on- an online training program, one of those to me is magical because it lets you do all of the things that I talk about, which is you get complete freedom. You can do completely hands-off if you want to. You still, you know, you work less, you can live more because you can spend all your time focusing on your actual life, spending time with family and everything else rather than constantly being on with clients and trading time for dollars, but it also doesn't limit your income. And the best thing about it is that model, you can bring in money very quickly and you can build up traffic with it very quickly. So to me, like that's, that's the future right now. And, and when it comes to anything automation, like that's what, that's what I focus on with teaching is trying to get them to have that product on top of teaching all the principles and everything else. But that's, that's the, that's the key for, for these days. Like you just talked about those 
you know, the last two models, which was the influencer model and the education model. Like the influencer model, and I will say, like, I'll just, while we're on the topic of like, I have no clue on how to monetize this. I've never even thought about how to monetize this. I just, I know a lot of people. I wanted to have really interesting conversations like this. I'm like literally hunched over my mic, hanging on every word and learning and, and growing. And then not only from a business perspective, most of our conversations actually go way off the radar when it comes to business, but we're sharing about, you know, growth and how, you know, it works and manifests and, and how our lives, you know, manifest like on an influencer model for those people who are trying to do that. I'm really not, I'm just trying to have cool conversations and add value to people who are listening. I really don't have, I don't run ads. I'm not looking for anybody to run an ad on my podcast. Like it's, that's not what this is about for me, but with even on the influencer and the education model, like how do people look at that and then say, well, how are we going to, how do we ramp that up? Because when I think of influencer, I actually didn't think of a podcast as like, obviously I guess they're influence. I think I see them as information, but when I think of influencer, I think of somebody who's out taking a picture of their bathing suit or their car or their, whatever they're doing. And they've got a big following because they do crazy cool stuff. Like what's the guy on YouTube beast? Oh yeah. Yeah. So like he, to me is like, that's one of those, to me, that's like an influencer type of thing. Like he's drawing people in because he's doing cool and crazy stuff. What's the process? Like how do, when people look at this, like how do they look towards tracking to make this something that does allow them to have the freedom that they want or the, the, the lifestyle or the, whatever it is that they're looking for. Well, first is to get really clear on what you want. And then you can ask yourself what it is that you want to go there. When I talk to my students about um, like what choosing their topics and what they want to focus on, it's usually me telling them to go talk to their family and friends first and say, Hey, what would you say that I'm all about? And what would you like to learn from me the most? It's very eye opening because a lot of times we don't appreciate the things that others see very easily, right? Especially when we're such um, an expert in something, we take it for granted. How many times do I ask somebody that and they say, yeah, but nobody wants to learn that from me. Like it's, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. <laughs> no, they don't. That's usually the thing that you really want to focus on. And, and surprisingly, it's, it's not usually what you think. And with mine, you know, I thought people would want to learn blogging because this time, you know, I realized that I had outgrown blogging. I just realized like it just wasn't making me happy anymore. And even the other businesses, it just wasn't making me happy. So I sold them all. And then I went to my following. I went to my friends. I basically went to my Facebook and said, hey, what would you guys want to learn from me the most? I'm going to start something new. I'm looking for that spark. I knew I wanted to teach because I realized the only days I was really happy, like excited just with that pure jump out of bed energy was the days that I was helping somebody with their blog or with their business. And those days, I would be up at 4 a.m. going, I know you have to do that. Do you want me to do it for you? <laughs> so I knew I was ready to teach. I just didn't know what I wanted to teach. And so I went to my friend's family and to my, my Facebook and my following and said, hey, what would you guys want to learn from me the most? And I thought it was going to be blogging. I thought they'd say like, how do I start a blog? You know, I thought they'd say like, how do I make money from a blog? And no, they said, how do you make so much money and not work? And then when I started doing my one-on-one -on -one conversations, which is what I do for every business before I start it to validate, Every single one of them, with I've now done over 150 interviews. Every single one of them used the word freedom. 
every single one used the word freedom. So I knew that's what I needed to focus on. It's not so much about the business or creating the product. They want to know the principles. They want to know the skills, the strategy, the instinct. They need to know that to actually have the business based on, you know, with those principles to, to have the freedom. That's what I ended up going with for me. But I have other students that have come and they have those conversations and they realize, you know, everybody said they wanted to know how I'm so, I'm so happily married. And so they go and create a, you know, product that's based around being a great husband. There's other ones that come in and they, I have one, I, I can't believe how amazing he's doing. I'm so proud of him. He's lost over 100 pounds. Actually, no, I think he's lost over 200. Wow. He's, he's lost a lot. He's still got some weight. And so he was worried. He was like, I can't teach weight loss. I still have a lot to lose. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, look at what you've accomplished. So we put him in front of people. We did all these validation. We processed these steps. And don't you know, like he's got people begging to be on his program. He's got one lady that's like, just send me, where do I pay you? Give me the money. <laughs> like, <laughs> And he's, he's so, he was on our call yesterday. He was so excited. But I love that. Like it's, that's what he's all about really now is, is helping people to lose, you know, over 100 pounds. You are now running a business called Laptop Lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? And so you teach people how to build information businesses or also influencer businesses or just the information? I focus on teaching them how to work smart, smarter, not harder. I teach lifestyle entrepreneurship, those the instincts, the skills, the approaches you need. It's really a mindset. It's really about learning how to set boundaries, how to strategize your work schedule. One thing that I, I cannot go without is I validate everything up front. To me, it's absolutely crazy to go and build a huge business and not validate every step before you build it. You can waste years. A lot of my students will come to me and they say, I've been struggling to make money online for eight years or 10 years or longer. And one that put in so much time and money into a business and he didn't validate the topic first. If he had validated the topic, he wouldn't have been taking those two years where he wasn't making any sales at all. He was struggling to to even get his name out there. He hadn't figured out. He's still worried about his brand. But those two years, like he could have saved so much time in that by just validating first that one, there was demand. Two, making sure that the pricing that he had was in place was what they were were um, okay with. Just taking those basic steps to to validate it before you even start. That's a huge one. And I have all these strategies for it. But if you want to create a new program, right? And you think you, you, I hear this a lot too. They'll say like, I already know I've been doing this for this many years. I've been a successful coach. I already know what my program is going to be on. It's going to be this. They need to, they know, I want to know this. And when I have them go and talk to them and actually do the, the validation process first, 99.9% of the time they're wrong. And they're so shocked because they're like, I've been doing this for so long and I never, th- you know, I thought I knew them. But if you stop and listen, you find out all that information ahead of time. You can find out what your marketing message needs to be. You can find out what your marketing tactics need to be. You can find out where it's going to be best to market. You can find out all of this information ahead of time for your launch. So you can actually, you know, come out of the gate and have a home run in the first month rather than spending years throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what's going to to fit. Like if you want to come out and spend thousands of dollars on a website first, and then, you know, a couple hundred bucks on a logo and then getting the name right. And then coming out with this, I'm going to try this funnel and this marketing message and this webinar, and we'll see if that works. All this guesswork is what makes you struggle instead of having it all nailed down in the beginning. 
it's crazy to me that we don't think to do this, but I had to learn that out of survival. I had to learn that I don't have the luxury of sitting at my computer and building out a 22-step funnel before I know all of these answers ahead of time, before I know it's going to work because I don't have the luxury with my hands. I don't have the luxury of rinse, repeat, rinse and repeat and trying to you know, figure it out. I need to know upfront so that I can get it done the first time, get it done right. How do you do this market valuation evaluation before it? Like, what is the process that do you have a specific process? And you may not want to share it. You may have to become a client of Jenny's, but <laughs> I'm happy to um, share. Yeah. I'm just curious, like how you do this validation beforehand and that it's so succinctly like, I mean, you are talking with absolute certainty. Like it's like 99.9% of the time they get it wrong and da da da. It's like, I'm really, it's gotten me very curious what that process looks like? Well, one thing is like taking a a lead magnet, right? Let's say, do you know what a lead magnet is? If anybody doesn't know, a lead magnet is um, when you go to somebody's website and you've got, you know, opt-in and you'll get this little free gift or this PDF or this ebook. So you take that lead magnet and instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to make this amazing lead magnet, right? And put it on my site and it's done. And then your conversion rates are cruddy and, or they're okay. But they could have been so much better if you just go and ask, your potential clients. And I have all these processes for finding them and doing all of this. That's very in-depth, but just as an example, let's say you go to a couple of your clients and you say, hey, which of these five lead magnets would you be most interested in? And they start to tell you. So you know, before you go and create it, before you spend all that time creating, I've seen some people create this 100 page ebook and nobody wants it. So if you go up front and you say like, you know, I'm going to create this one, this one, or this one, which one would you be most eager for? And now it's nice as with the AI, I can actually go to AI and give it the options or ask it for options. And I have very strategic formulas for nailing down what needs to really be in it. Even in the title, it has to be a formula. But I can go and ask it there and start the validation process with AI first and get it as close as possible. And then I could take that to potential clients and say, which of these would be most, you know, would you be most eager to read? And really what I want is somebody that's like, I must have that, right? So which of these will you, would you feel like strong? Yes, I want that. So you get that from them and you have like 20 people say, that's the one I want. Then you know to go build it rather than I'm just, I know what they want. I'm going to go put it up there and it doesn't perform very well. And you've wasted that much time. So that's, that's just one example. Then you get into the process of whack-a-mole trying to find, oh, let's try this one. Let's try this one. Let's try this one until something hits. But by the time that happens, you're You've spent years, years trying to figure it out. Yeah. And there's other things too, is like when you create those, you know, you should already be pre-selling in that before you get somebody uh, into your program, like you want to have them sold before they ever talk to you, before they're even in front of the cart, you want them already sold. You want, you want them to already want it, right? You don't get them on a sales call or put them on the sales page immediately and propose before you dated. You want to know before you propose, you've got a yes, right? So you can already start building that from the very beginning and start validating it before you ever even get close to that so that you know that lead magnet could end up, you know, it's already got them thinking, I need this, I need this person. So if you're starting to think that way from the very beginning, by the time they get to any option to purchase, any option to convert, you've already got a strong yes. It should not be, if you're having to sell them when they're on a sales call, you're doing it too late. You should have already got them to that point, you know, through other marketing things. And you can start that through validation. 
as the consumer starts to transition to more online, what's your experience and how many businesses are really taking advantage of this? And even, and not even just on the influencer or information side of things, but even on the product side of things, I friends in all kinds of businesses, but they sell franchises like restaurants, car dealers. I mean, you name it. I mean, how can you utilize this in mainstream traditional businesses where people are looking and going like, I've got to create, you know, some type of online, you know, mechanism here. I have to optimize my online mechanism because they've been playing whack-a-mole for so long. What would you say to those people? What would be the steps or like, would they use a company like your, like, do you do that with uh, companies who are selling products? No, because that would be an agency model. So that's not my, (laughs) that's not my thing. I strictly put them through training, right? Through courses and teach them. And then I do a very light coaching with a group setting. But I usually have them start out like that with the, where they're identifying first what they're, what it is that they want in their life so that they can figure out first if this is a good path for them. If they want to do uh, an influencer model, influencer model, believe it or not, is actually a lot of work. You can't automate it, but it takes a long time. But I have them identify first what it is what they want in their life. Get really clear with it. How often do you want to work is a big one. What kind of schedule do you want? Where do you want to work? A lot of people, they'll start a business and not really think about that. And then they realize, you know what? I really wanted to travel, but I've created a business that requires me to be here in this one spot. Like I can't leave America because this one needs me to be in America. Or I can't, you know, I have to be at an office for this. Or I have to be. And we need to map that stuff out first so that we're not wasting time getting into a position where, you know, we're not in a, in a happy business, right? And it's something that really, that's really meeting our needs. So that's usually the first step is really getting clear on what you want. Like for me, I like taking off weekdays because then when I do work on a weekend, it's very quiet. A lot of people will leave me at peace and I can focus, right? But I also like, I know that I'll, I don't want to work on Saturdays because that's a day that I need to spend with my son. So people that can take time and actually get clear on those things that makes it a lot easier to to uh, make those decisions when it comes to the choice of business, the model. When, if they do choose that they really want something that's complete freedom and they're going to go down that online education model, the information mo- info product model, then it, it's really as simple as starting out with deciding on your topic, getting really clear on your topic. But instead of, as much as I would like to say, you know, follow your passion, that's not really the case. <laughs> it's beautiful. And hopefully that is that is the case. What I tell them to focus on is one is, Choose something that you, you're an expert in, that you can provide the result. Your expertise is what's going to sell, right? People pay for transformation, not information. So you need to be an expert on that. It doesn't mean credentials because like, like me, I actually have the education of a doctor. I have not practiced as an, as an naturopathic doctor, as an ND, but I have 26 years of, of experience of doing this. So it's like, which one would you want to learn most from me? Like you say, your credentials don't matter, but your expertise, your knowledge, your skills, that matters. So, right. So focusing on your expertise. And I usually have my students just fill out a list of, like I said, what they're about, what people are saying they would want to learn from them. Those things are key. You can choose from any of those, but here's the other kicker is that it's not really the passion for the topic. It's the passion for being able to get them the results of working with people on that topic. Because if you feel passionate about that, that's your driver. That's going to keep you from ever getting burnt out. That's going to keep you from, you know, from, well, it's going to keep you in satisfaction. It's going to keep you happy. So that's what I tell them the next step is, is really is identifying their expertise and their passion for, if they have the passion for getting the result for people. 
The other reason that that's important too, I should mention that, is that because you can potentially automate this completely, you're not going to be teaching it all the time, but you will be seeing the results and you will want to refresh your content and things like that. And that's always going to be driven by, can I make this better for my people, for my, for my following, for my students, for my clients, right? So if you have that passion for wanting to help them and for wanting to see more testimonials coming from them and telling them, telling you that this changed their lives or something like that, that's the, that's the passion that's going to pull you back in to want to do more and to want to make it even better. So it's really not about the passion for the topic itself in you, but it's more about them, right? So if you have those two things, that's, that's the perfect place to start. You kind of tweaked on something a little earlier, which like listening to the process, it's interesting because I had had a couple of things that were going through my head. Number one was I'm so old school, right? Like up until a few years ago, people go, well, when do you want to work? Monday to Friday, uh, Monday to Sunday. How much time do you want off? None. <laughs> um, like I just, it's what I did. Tennille and I are trying to take some downtime, you know, especially this fall and, you know, we're trying to close our laptops at seven o'clock at night and, you know, maybe take Sundays off or whatever. And it's, we're really, really trying hard and, and it's, it's a difficult process. You know, when you're used to doing something a certain way for so long, it is hard to get yourself out of the routine and into a new routine. And so when you were talking about this, I found like, you know, my head was starting to, you know, swell up. Like we're looking at moving to Florida for a significant amount of our time. And so the answer right away is, well, when we moved to Florida, like I'm going to go down, look for a business to buy, <laughs> buy another company down there and, you know, probably rinse and repeat. And so, you know, I'm listening to you going, Phew, I feel like, uh, you know, I just sat with a bit of a psychiatrist to kind of work through some of my issues on really, <laughs> you know, identifying what is possible out there. And you made a good point. And this was going to say was you made a good point earlier, whereas like, it's hard, and maybe that's just a me issue, but I think other people feel the same way, that it's hard to believe that you're an expert in something. I've owned, you know, I've been doing this 35 years in business. I've owned 30 plus companies in, I, it's probably more than 12 industries now. Well, I know it's more than 12 industries. And I still don't think I have really anything to offer to anybody, right? Or, or that, are they really going to listen? Are they really going to do like the training? And, you know, why am I going to create something for them to just kind of ignore it? Wh- whatever that, that story looks like. but. It, there is a bit of a hump here where I feel like people would have to feel like it's like, I got to overcome, you know, some roadblocks in my own mind. One of my questions, I guess, is, is what did you have to overcome? Was there something that you had to overcome uh, in order to get yourself through the same process? You know, I just went through that with this business because it's still a sense of like, oh my goodness, how could I possibly teach them the instincts that I have for doing this? Because now I do it in a flash of a second, right? So it's like, how do you teach instinct? And I've never coached before. Like, you know, so there's all these questions too. Is I'm sure I want to do that? Can I do that? So you, it's kind of a natural thing. It's actually, again, going to go into the ND neuroscience thing, but it's actually your brain's way of keeping you in your comfort zone. It's doing its job. So I always say embrace imposter syndrome. It's be, be, be thankful that your brain's keeping you safe. And then you can, you can kind of move on because you recognize it and you can move on, move through it quickly. But I had to do the same thing. It's perfectly normal. And it, I'm sure it happens with you every time you buy a business, right? When you do a new business, like, is this an industry I want to get into? 
can I do this industry? Like, is this, this is something I haven't done before. But there's also that other side of us, right? That drives us that entrepreneur's spirit where we're like, I'll take the risk. This is exciting. I'll just bite into it. That part drives me. The other thing though, is the biggest one is when you talk to people and you say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What are your thoughts on that? And what's your experience with it? Have you ever tried to go out of the country and buy a business? Or have you ever, you know, what was your, your process or your thoughts when you tried to buy this business? Or have you ever thought of doing it? And they start to tell you and you start to listen and you realize, Oh my gosh, you should do this, this and that. And you realize I can help you. And all of a sudden things start shifting because you realize, of course I can help him. You didn't know that? Oh, here, this is how you do that part. Oh, I have that answer too. And you start to realize, you talk about getting rid of imposter syndrome fast, is when somebody is sitting in front of you and saying, I don't know X, Y, Z, and you have the answer, boom, you are like, I got you. This is what you do. It shifts things. So that's usually my my go-to for that one, in, including for myself. It's not just my students, but for myself is every time I've started a business, I do that. I talk to real people. And I start to ask them about what they want, what they expect, what their experiences have been with that in the past before I jump into it because I want to validate, make sure, right? That's the way I start to start to address all of that. Was there ever a point where you just were not absolutely confident that you could do this stuff? Like even in the beginning? You know, what's funny is that I had, when I started blogging right in the very, very beginning, so I wasn't making much, but my friend from college, she called me and I told her I'm going to try this blogging thing. I'm going to get this going, right? I think she wanted to come visit. And I told her no, because I was busy working. And she said, no, she's like, people don't make money from that. You cannot make money from that. She's like, you just, she's like, just come back to the city, come back and I'll, I'll get you a job where I'm at in New York, the law firm I'm at. And I was like, no, I think I'm going to give this a try. Like I just, there was something in me that was sure. And remember I, I said, I saw somebody making the $50 a day, right? And I just knew if they can do it, I can do it. But <laughs> Funny thing is, is, two years later, she was working for me. Really? So yeah, she actually did like laugh at me, like verbally, <laughs> like out and out laughed. I mean, you can't do that. Like, that's crazy. It's like writing a diary online. You're not going to make money. Two years later, she was working for me. So I don't know that I ever really fully doubted. I There have been businesses where I started thinking like, okay, this might be above my pay grade kind of a thing, which I know it sounds funny, but going into like creating a whole new product that nobody had created yet and trying an e-commerce route with that, where I was like, oh, this one might be a bit much like, you know, but it's that, like I said, it's that spirit inside. that's like worth taking the risk. Right. And the biggest one for me though, has been this because in blogging and in my other businesses, I've always been very careful to stay out of the spotlight, not use my name, you know, and keep that private, the privacy, that anonymity, accepting the fact that I'm going to be speaking more and going to be more vocal on like doing YouTube and and more interviews like that. That's a big one for me. That's been a very big one for me because I really do like to stay out of the spotlight. I don't like to be on stage much or, you know, I, I speak plenty, but it's not my happy place. Right. So now, but now I've realized the way that I got through that was realizing that I can help a lot more people if it's me speaking and not just relying on partners, affiliate partners or something like that to do it. So that's been a big one for me. Yeah, that was big for me too. This is probably the longest run-up or startup of a podcast uh, on the planet, I think. <laughs> if you ask really? My, oh, my, if you ask my producer, Heather, she'll be like, oh my God, we worked on it for over a year. Like it took me, it took me a long time to, to really kind of decide that 
you know, A, that I, I, I think more, I think what it came down to was, can I provide the value that I really want to, you know, is it like, you know, I, I see this vision. I don't want to be on stage. I don't want to be writing a book. I, that's not my, my motivation here, but I, I just was really like compelled to, I think there's a lot of noise out there. And, and I think that, well, and, and I mean, I talk about this at the beginning of the intro of the, of the, of the podcast, but entrepreneurialism has really kind of become this celebrity allure, right? Every celebrity has got a whiskey or a tequila or a gin or whatever, and God bless them. Like, but for me, that has not been the experience. It's not the experience of most of the people I know in entrepreneurship and it is a grind. And, you know, I really wanted to interview people who didn't have that platform, but really had a lot of value to provide. And, and that, you know, if one person listens to a podcast and takes one piece away, whether it's really the, the business strategies and all that kind of stuff, it's superficial. To me, it's more of the, you know, if they walked away going, hey, I learned from Jenny about how to overcome my fears, or I, you know, learned from somebody else on, you know, how to manage my time so that I can be home and give or be more present in my intimate relationship or with my kids or whatever that looks like. To me, that is the most important stuff. But it really took, I mean, we worked and, and I'll say delayed and delayed and delayed or dragged my feet, dragged my feet on launching this podcast because I, it just was a, it was a bit of a battle for me to, to be able to get on a mic and have a conversation and put myself out on the internet and I guess you don't like to admit it, but it's a bit scary, right? And I'm so tied to like adding like absolute value. So that to me is like the most important thing. But So it's hard. That's the drive though, is, is when you have that, this is why I say to you that you need the passion for helping people, right? For helping your potential clients is because that will drive you through that fear. It will drive you through that questioning of anything because you'll know that, you know, I know I can do some good here, so I'm going to do it, right? That's why I say you have to have the passion for them, not the passion for the topic. That's right. Yeah. The purpose or passion, whatever the word people use or how they want to define it is really, yes, to help and support and provide a path or whatever value. The podcast released today, actually, the one guy talks about, he's in real estate, but he said like, he doesn't get his fulfillment from, from the business. He's passionate about it or provides purpose. But his fulfillment is from outside. You know, my fulfillment comes from my relationship with my wife, with my kids, my friends. You know, that's where my fulfillment is driven. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm the same. And now my business is new. So I only have, well, I'd only have it. I have over 100 students. I thought I was going to start with just like a dozen students or so, right? And see if I really wanted to do this, to feel it out. And no, I opened the doors and I had 80 people sign up like that. But oh God. Yeah. So in the last year, we've worked on starting over 100 businesses and it's been, <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. But it's the same thing as I live vicariously through them, right? Even when they get upset about something like, oh, you know, they're going through a struggle. I'll say, you know what? Isn't this amazing? Isn't this amazing? Like this is such a, you, you don't even realize the journey of starting your first business or starting a new, just a new kind of business. It's actually such a cool thing. And you and I, as entrepreneurs, we know that success and failure, they come, they're together, right? There's, there, you, you can't have one without the other. Right. But to watching my students learning those lessons too, it's beautiful. It's like, a, it's so amazing. I'm so excited when I see them 
have a bomb with a with a sale, you know, a sales collar with like not quite like flipping out over random things like somebody, you know, commenting on one of their posts, something that they didn't like or and every lesson, you know, they come away asking, what did you learn from that? And what do you, what do you, you know, how can you correct that? Like there's tiny little things, those little tiny nuances that they can hone their instincts and watching them grow from that and come to a point where they actually are seeing that success. When I see somebody like one of my students that made his 40 grand in the first month, he started out a little bumpy and he wasn't sure if he could even do it. And then to see that, I'm like, wow, right, wow, right. So I'm living vicariously through all of them. You have launched a hundred businesses in the last year. No, some of them are still going, but we've launched a lot. Yeah. Holy smokes. Some of them are still in launch mode. Some are still in launch mode. Oh yeah. A lot, most of them. So we started out with a longer process, right? Where it was going to be like a six month launch period. And what I realized watching everybody go through it, it gives them too much opportunity when it's stretched out like that. Cause you know, I, I go at everything slow mode where I'm like, just take it, take it easy. Just chill. Let things go. I'm not in a rush. What I realized, though, is with most of, my, most of my students, it gives them too much time to talk themselves out of it or to procrastinate to a point where they're stalling. You know, they're not making the progress. So what I realized was I have to shorten it, condense it and make it faster. So now I've been able to do it. The reason I've been working so much and my hands hurting a little bit, but it's because I just redid my program so that we're using AI for everything. And now there's no reason that you can't have it up in about 30 days that you can't have the money coming in, all of this, everything in 30 days. It's very condensed now. So I'm bypassing any challenges that they're having like emotionally or mentally, all those, those blocks, right? I'm trying to go as fast as we can now just to get the initial launch up and then we revise it after. But it's been interesting to see them in those stages where now that they, they're like already in it, they already have the product created. They already have all of this. It's like, we create the product now. I just came up with a strategy this week. We've just been testing it this week. Where now you can create your entire program in a, a, a day, maybe a few days, but you can you possibly do it in a day with AI. Wow. Like it involves like these multiple, very, you know, page long prompts for AI, but the whole system is already done. So far, it's working amazing. So I'm thrilled. But we've done all of it, you know, it wrapped up in that. And now when you're going through the, the first 30 days, you already have a product. So why stop, right? Whereas before it would take a few months to get that product going. And then, you know, so we take our time. Now. There's no second guessing it. You just got to keep going forward. Yeah. You're like, you've that's already awesome. got a product. You might as well sell it. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So uh, how many of these students would have ever owned their own business before? A lot of them have. A lot okay. of them have. Most of them have had online businesses, but they struggled. Or they're coming from being in the hamster wheel, right? Where they're working their tails off and, you know, not making, not reaching their goals. So we just kind of dial back and and follow a very simple system. I really believe most entrepreneurs make it more difficult than it needs to be, right? They overthink things, they add steps, they make assumptions where if they come back at it and, you know, instead of doing that 22-step funnel, maybe it's only three steps and you only add something if it's needed, right? So instead of following XYZ guru who might have a brilliant 22-step funnel, but for me, that's a lot to manage. That's 22 steps you have to manage. Again, I don't have the luxury of doing that. So for me, I'm going to start out by validating as much as I possibly can. I'm going to start with just four-step funnel. That's my own approach. And then if I see and I've already validated that it's needed, then I might add another step. I'm certainly not going to go, most time I'm not ever going to go past that. But I really believe a lot of it's just so much overthinking and thinking that belief of you have to work hard for money. 
That's a hard one to get rid of for a lot of people. But once they do, it's a huge shift in your business. It's a huge shift in your psychology and your energy. And I mean, you are really, Jenny, I didn't realize to the extent that you're doing this, you are really like creating, helping people create their own dreams. I mean, it's amazing. That is my goal. You should be so proud of yourself. Like it's phenomenal. Thank you. I do have one last question on the education side of things. How do you sift through the noise of the, all the kind of people that are out there trying to, I don't see it often because I'm not on social media that often, but how do you, but it does seem all the time that there's somebody trying to sell something on the internet or on social media. How do you rise above that and position yourself differently? I don't believe in noise unless you sound like everybody else. If you don't sound like everybody else, if you go out of your way to really, really intimately know your potential clients, and I go through a process of developing an ideal client and then a dream client. So once you know them and you can really speak directly to them and you know every single pain point, you know all those, their struggles, you know, and I don't even want to just say what keeps them up at night, it goes deeper than that. But once you know that, there's no reason for you to sound like anybody else. There's no reason for you to even feel like there's noise. It's like for me, there's how many internet marketers out there teaching now? It's endless. But I know that my, what I, I know, I know, I know online entrepreneurs, I know their struggles because I've been there and I've talked to them now. Like I didn't just assume, you know, that they'll want what I wanted back then. I wouldn't talk to them first to see what do you guys need right now in this day and age? It's totally different, right? Than when I first started in 1998. So I have spoken to them so much. And I think of all those people that said the word freedom to me, over 150 people. So don't you know that every bit of my business is based around freedom? Laptop lifestyle, it screams freedom. Mm -hmm, Everything, yes. And so when I go at it, right, I could have just started a make money online business. That's not what I'm going to do because I'll just make me sound like everybody else. Instead, it's all about what they really truly want is freedom. And then I'll break that down into different aspects based on what I've learned from them, what I've heard from them. So in that sense, you don't, you don't have to worry if there's too much competition. In fact, you actually want competition. If there's competition and the, the, there's a ton of noise in your industry, you know that you want to be there because that's where the money is. That's, that's a proven, validated uh, niche or industry, right? So you want to be there. You just want to stand out. You just want to do what you can to stand out. Make sure you find out the need of the customer and how they value it, I guess, is kind of how I read that. Like when you're... Because you know, the the need is like some people they define money as freedom, certainty, like safety. So you're really getting into a, you know, that word freedom to me is a value, you know, just like love or whatever that is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're doing a great job. Well, uh, I lied. I have another question. Sorry. Where do you see the future? Like if you were to predict, you know, you've been through this journey for 25 plus years. What do you think is next? I think everything is going to be AI based and that it's, we have such a, our culture is such a convenience culture too, that I think that those two things are going to be the biggest high, not just in what we want to do with our businesses, but wow, this, this, like, I'm so excited with AI. I've so embraced it and I've been teaching it on summits and things like that too. But I think the faster that we can learn that, that the more opportunity, the easier things will be. So I think it's a, that's where everybody's focus should be right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. I wonder if sometimes, you know, we'll start to, if AI will get to the point where 
you know, it will search us out, like whether it's for products and, you know, advertising will be done in such a specific way. Just funny today, like last night I ordered some boxing gloves, uh, some new boxing gloves for us for training. The company that I bought them from has popped up like three or four times today on some of my Google searches and stuff like that. Well, I know what's happening. You know, you talk, you have a dinner with a bunch of people and you talk about certain topics or certain companies or certain products. And all of a sudden that stuff pops up. I mean, that's, that's happening. I don't know how they do that, but it's, I mean, obviously it's happening. So I think that's just going to get crazier and crazier and crazier, which I'm excited about truthfully. Like it's, you know, like I've been thinking I should buy a couple new shirts so I don't have to wear crappy old hoodies on the podcast and, and I just never get around to doing it because I'm so busy and I haven't found an online shirt company that I like. And, but you know, I would just be thinking it and all of a sudden it would just happen. Right. You'll probably end up making one, buying one, buying a company and making your own. Well, I, yeah, that's where I just think it's going to be. I mean, I do, I'm with you in that camp. I think that technology is going to make things I think we're going to have bumps in the road, just like anything. Uh, but but it's going to make uh, it's going to really help people who need it in a lot of ways uh, in general. So, uh, Jenny, I'm blown away at what you're doing. I don't think I fully knew. Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, I know like my my son's out living van life right now, and and I love it. I was texting you about him the other day. He's not any longer in California near you. He's up in Arizona. I know Tanil had connected you with him to kind of do your course. And outside of him knowing he was taking your course, I didn't really know what the course was. After listening to what you're doing, I'm blown away. To give people that confidence, that certainty, the freedom, the whatever it is that they're searching for in their dreams, uh, educating them, you know, you've clearly been uber successful in this arena. And not only have you, you haven't, Success is not even the word to use. It, it, you're, I mean, you're a pioneer. You really led the way, not just for women, but for, for men and women in this industry. And I mean, you're a powerhouse. You're compassionate. You're loving. You're caring. I love you, Jenny. I think you're just one of the, my favorite people on the planet. I'm so happy to hear what you're doing and how you're helping people. And yeah, I, I will say I, I'm really bad at asking this. If anybody, if you want people to find you, how would they find you? Uh, they can go to laptoplifestyle.co or they can find me on Facebook. We have a Facebook group that's linked from my own profile, which is you know, just Jenny Hot. I have a Facebook group on there. It's right now it's Laptop Lifestyle Society, but we're about to change it. If you go in there, like that's uh, where I teach a lot just for free, just giving out tips and advice. I answer questions. I just have a good time in there with my, with anybody that's an aspiring laptop lifestyler. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. If anybody who's looking for a personal reference for Jenny Hot, prepared to give it and consider this given, I don't do that lightly for sure. I'm so grateful to have you here to have this conversation. I hope it's not the last conversation. And before we sign off on this, don't leave because off the air here, I know Tanil wants to come down to the studio and say Yay. hello to you. So thank you so much for being here. This has been a delightful conversation with an incredible woman. Um, you're an inspiration for everyone, but you're certainly an inspiration for young women out there who are trying to figure out what to do and, and uh, continue on helping people with their dreams. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me. This is 
been an honor. It's an honor for me to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking all the time. I know you're busy. I appreciate you, kiddo. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you being with us. If you found value in the show and know a friend or a coworker who could benefit from the conversation, please share the link via text or on social media. Remember, each share creates a ripple effect of knowledge and inspiration. We'll see you next week. The views, information, or opinions expressed by guests during the Business of Doing Business podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Dwayne Kerrigan and his affiliates. Dwayne Kerrigan or the Business of Doing Business podcast is not responsible for and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. Listeners are advised to consult with a qualified professional or specialist before making any decisions based on the content of this podcast.